with Frank Mymars in the pitch. Swung on and hit the right field. Let's play back there. Play back there. Oh, God! Scheffler gets away towards the dugout. Here comes Bianco! Tigers win! Tigers win! All right, welcome back to another edition of Tigers Win. Cody Worsham, happy to be joined remotely today by Hunt Palmer, 104.5 ESPN, and of course on the LSU Sports Radio Network. Hunt, hope you're uh, high and dry today in this uh, this beautiful weather. Our, our studio is like shaking and flickering from every uh, bolt of lightning and thunder, so hopefully you're, you're feeling safer than I am right now. There's always one more cold snap. Unfortunately, it's coming yeah. you know, St. Patrick's Day when we got like a bunch of kids coming over for the parade <laughs> this weekend. But we'll be all right because we got baseball in College Station. Are, are y'all close to the route? We are very close to the route. We're two blocks off, so it's it's an ideal spot. Okay, well we're we're uh, we're neighbors then because I'm I'm right off the uh, the route too, and uh, and not looking forward to the cold, but am looking forward to the festivities. Uh, more looking forward to the start of SEC baseball play uh, for LSU as they head on the road. To take on Texas A&M, uh, rough couple days for Texas A&M. Uh, sure, they did make the tournament, but they did crash out of the tournament. And uh, Hunt, that, I think that's the reason for your giant smile today. I think you're just, as we were talking about before the, the show stops. I don't know if you take more pleasure in the suffering of others than in uh, the Texas A&M Aggies. It, that that it's that sport, man. It is such a fun ride for four or five months, and A&M's been on that certainly through SEC play, and then it is gone in two hours. <laughs> I mean, Penn State shows up and just starts hitting threes from everywhere, and it is gone. That is that's more painful in a way than sitting through what what we did, where LSU just never kind of got it out of neutral this year. Uh, but yeah, I think all Aggies are kind of pretty pretty dejected today, and I hope the baseball team can add to that this evening. Yeah, not not to get too off topic, but I don't know that there that variance plays more of a factor in any you know postseason event than the NCAA tournament, which is. Uh, I guess why it's so exciting. It's also why it's so frustrating, and why maybe the uh, the national champion every year isn't necessarily the best team. It's the team that is hot at the right time of the year. But I digress. Let's talk baseball, Hunt. Um, before we get into the A and M series, and, and maybe talk a little bit of SEC, let's kind of recap where LSU is right now. Uh, they make it through non conference play with just one loss. Uh, still number one in the country. Um, the stats are, are through the roof. Not the toughest schedule ever played, but I think we've seen what this team is capable of. What's, what's your read on LSU uh, through non-conference play? Yeah, I mean, there are two swings in that Iowa game early with runners on base from having a, a perfect pre-conference. Um, it's not a perfect team. Uh, they've got room for growth, uh, but they're very good. Now, their non-conference schedule was terrible. The teams they played were not good. Um, but you can be a really good team and play teams that aren't very good. And that's, I believe, what we saw over the first month of the season. Um, they've checked a lot of boxes. They're about as healthy as you could want them to be. Tommy White's back in the lineup at third, which certainly helps. They've got a plan on the weekend, which is, I think, gone exactly the way that Jay wanted it to with Skeens nailing down Friday night uh, with Floyd kind of becoming a, an SEC caliber starting pitcher and now Thatcher Hurd going from Tuesdays to Monday. Now it's a Sunday, and he's thrown the ball great his last two. And the lineup is – pretty proven. I mean, you know what Dylan Cruz is. You know what Tommy White is. You know what Trey Morgan and Jordan Thompson are. Um, so it's a really, really good baseball team. The 30 games is a lot, um, and they're going to have their bumps in the road in a good league. But they're 
in about as good a position as you could be heading into into conference play. Hunt, when you look at the the makeup of this team, uh, any surprises early on that that you know maybe are, are stronger than you expected, or or maybe even just some some tweaks to the lineup positionally. Um, any any roles for players that that have surprised you so far through non conference? Yeah, for sure. Um, entering the season, I mean, this is all on YouTube and on our archives, on audio. Everything you say in that microphone over here is uh, is recorded. I thought that second base would be a platoon between Ben Napolt against right-handers and Jack Merrifield against left-handers. Those two guys played great in the fall and were good in January before the season started. And quite frankly, Gavin Dugas just didn't practice. He wasn't able to because he wasn't healthy. He wasn't healthy last season. He wasn't healthy in the fall. And then they came back in January, and he still was having issues with his eyes. And it was just very frustrating for everybody over there because – it's just bad luck. There's nothing he was doing wrong. And everyone is aware now that you know he obviously hit 19 home runs a couple of years ago when he led the SEC in RBI, and he had huge home runs in the in the regional up there in Eugene. He had a huge home run in Hattiesburg last year. And certainly you know what he can be. I just didn't have the expectation that he would be that again because he did not practice. And then all of a sudden you have a freak injury in the first game with Tommy White coming out, and Dugas has got to go in, and he starts hitting, and now – they found another key piece to this offense. I don't. I don't have to look at, you know, the pitching staffs from Samford and Central Connecticut State and go, yeah, Dugas hit some homers against those bad teams. I mean, can he do it in the SEC? He's done it in the SEC yeah. already. I already know he can. So I'm surprised that he's nailed down second base. But it's it's definitely a pleasant surprise. So when you look at the pitching staff, I think Paul Skeens has been as good, if not better, than advertised. Jay keeps calling him the best pitcher in the country. Um, you know, again. We have to put it in the context of the schedule played so far, but I think his stuff speaks for itself. And, and you put that on a Friday night in the SEC, and as long as he's in command, he's going to be just fine. Um, the other two pieces of that that starting rotation that you mentioned, Thatcher Hurd, Ty Floyd, both have been excellent this year. Thatcher had, I think, a, a, a difficult start early, but now he's he's been hot. Obviously was great at Texas. Uh, he's 2-0. and ERA is just right over 2. And then Ty Floyd's numbers have been phenomenal too, 3-0. and uh, 1.08 ERA. So they've they've been great. Um, do you have any concerns about them coming into SEC play whatsoever? Is it just a you know as you mentioned with Gavin? Gavin's shown us that he can do it in SEC play. Ty had a good end of the season last year, but hasn't put it together over a full season yet. Um, and then Thatcher Hurd, you know, obviously coming from UCLA and an injury hasn't been in that spot yet. Any concerns there? I wouldn't say concern, but I don't feel as confident in those guys as I do the lineup because that's proven. The upside is plenty there uh, with those guys. Todd Floyd's kind of taken a, a pretty natural progression in his career as a freshman. He was strictly a bullpen guy. I think 24 appearances all out of the pen. Last year he started in the weekend rotation, threw almost nothing but fastballs, got hit a little bit, especially in that game over in Houston, and lost his job in the weekend rotation and started pitching a little bit in the midweek kind of found something against Louisiana Lafayette in the Wally Pontiff Junior Classic, and then pitched really well in the SEC tournament against Tennessee, against a ridiculous lineup, and was pretty good uh, against Southern Miss in the regional as a starter. And now it's time to take that next step to be an SEC weekend guy. And the stuff's there, but he's got to – He's got to flash it. And you know, last week he didn't go up a hit, uh, but he walked three guys, hit another one, and I think just kind of overwhelmed a bad baseball team in Sanford with a fastball. He's got to 
got to do a little bit more than that against Texas A&M and then Arkansas and Tennessee and moving forward. With Hurd, um, the stuff is just unbelievable. I mean, that's that's top 20 in the Major League Baseball draft stuff. So when I see that and I saw what I saw a, mo- a couple of Mondays ago, um, I-, I went, okay, I realize he's facing a bad team. Butler's not good. But that's 94-95 at the knees. The breaking ball is unhittable. Uh, and he had a little swagger to him, which was not there against yeah. Southern in that first outing. So I'm very optimistic about what those guys can be, but it's a deal where I'm not I, – I know what Tennessee's weekend starting rotation is, and I know those guys are going to be nails for 30 SEC games. Yeah, I don't know that about LSU yet, but they can take a step this weekend for sure. When you look at the, the LSU lineup, and of course Jay's been looking for that right combination, he's probably found it by this point. But I think we have to just set aside a few minutes to talk about Dylan Cruz and the season he's had so far. He's third in the, in the country in batting average, hitting over 500. Uh, his OPS is almost 1,600. Um, he's hitting homers. He's got five so far. He's hitting doubles. He's got seven so far. I, I go back to a conversation I had with Kendall Rogers a couple weeks ago previewing the season, and, he's, and I said, what, what can Dylan Cruz get better at? Like, wh- Where's his room for improvement? He said, well, there's not much, but the one thing I'd like to see is, is the strikeouts and walks get a little more even. He's walked 18 times and struck out nine times. I mean, he's just he's putting the ball in play. He's hitting it hard. He's actually hitting a lot of grounders and a lot of singles and uh, hard hit balls. But then obviously he's turning on a few and, and hitting them out of the park. Just what have you seen from him? And where does he where does he stack up so far? Again, with uh, uh, several chapters left to be written in the all time greats at LSU. Because in, in terms of talent, <laughs> really production, uh, especially in this era, it's 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 through the roof. But from your seat. Um, what do you make of Dylan Cruz, his start to this season, and really the legacy he's building for himself? I didn't see Ben McDonald. I didn't see Joey Bell. I didn't see Todd Walker. Um, I saw Crassie. I saw Bregman, Blake Dean. He's he's the best player I've ever seen at LSU. Yeah. Um, he's got some work to do to have a major league career that stacks up with Alec Bregman's because what Bregman's done in major league baseball has been phenomenal. But in college, I've seen every game both of them played. It's not particularly close to me. Um, the, the power, the consistent ability to hit the ball with exit velocities over 100 miles an hour. Then you couple that with the defense he's played in center field, which is spectacular. He's he's the best player in the country. Uh, and to have that guy on your team gives you an edge every time you go to the ballpark. Uh, he's He's spectacular. Um, the thing that stands out to me, and they brought Tommy White in, so now there's a guy that you can kind of compare him to in this way, but he drives the ball out of the ballpark the other way better than anyone I've ever seen. We've seen power hitters. Greg Dightman get hit at a mile, but most of Greg Dightman's home runs were to the pull side. Um, he, Dylan Cruz is plenty capable of pulling it off the scoreboard, but most of the home runs he hits are line drives to right and right center, which is just – remarkable for a college hitter and the the strikeouts were one issue that he could clean up a little bit but when you you hit the ball that hard and swing that hard like every once in a while you're going to come up a little bit empty but I don't have any problem and I don't think it's hyperbole at all to say he's the best player I've ever seen at LSU now there everybody that comes through here has some jewelry to go with it when they leave and Dylan hasn't gotten to that point yet and that's not all his, basically none of his fault. But that would certainly add to that legacy if they could figure something out this June. Speaking of the opposite field power, and, and this is these numbers aren't. Um, I'd like them to be more specific, but they're interesting. 
Um, this is from Monday. LSU's hit 32 homers this year. 31% have gone to left field. 25% have gone to center field. 44% have gone to right field. Obviously, we have some left-handed bats that are pulling some of those to right field. But I, I think it speaks to the opposite field power. You know Tommy Tanks has contributed to some of those. Dylan Cruz as well. So it's, it's the, the, the opposite field power of this team has been uh, really interesting. A lot of talk on offense, obviously. Defensively, LSU's number two in the country in fielding percentage. And last year... I know Jay Johnson got sick of it because I got sick of it, but just the hearing about the, the defensive deficiencies, which were there, um, got to be just a broken record and, and really hurt LSU throughout the season. Those seem to be cleaned up. Jordan Thompson has been sort of pinpointed um, as somebody that's that's made a lot of improvement there uh, himself. I don't think he's made an error yet this season. Um, one throw error. One, one throw and error. And for the most part, the defense has been rock solid. What do you attribute that to? Was, was last year – um, has, has the personnel, defensive personnel, just gotten better? Have the guys improved? Uh, I, I know Jay Johnson emphasized it over the offseason. I've heard some stories about the work they put in. But, um, again, from your perspective, how has LSU been able to take such a step forward defensively? It's a lot of credit to Jordan Thompson because that's where you're going to make the most of your errors at shortstop, and he's been fantastic. And he was not fantastic in February and March of last year. He got significantly better as the season went on, but those errors were still there. Um, and he's been great. Uh, you know, Cade Doty made a couple of errors at second base last year, and LSU's been good at second base this year. Uh, Dugas with the majority of those uh, those reps. And look, Trey Morgan kicked a couple of ground balls in big spots last year, uh, specifically one against uh, against Auburn that may have cost him a game. And he's been great when he's been left field and at first base. So, um, you know, it's a lot's been made of it, but it, it's true. Jordan was hurt last year. He got he had surgery right before the season started, and that compromises your ability to put the work in and compromises you go out there and play. And he kicked it around in Ruston a little bit last year, kicked it around in Fayetteville last year. And that cost that was you know contributing back at LSU losing some games. He's been fantastic this year. And one thing that I don't think has been talked about a ton, I've mentioned it on my show a couple of times, but the outfield defense with Cruz and center and Kling running down balls all over the place. And, and even Joe Bear has been been solid out there. And he's not a, a you know guy that's played a ton of outfield in his life. So, yeah, that's a big piece to this thing. Um, and it's a piece that you would figure would carry on. Yes, your defense is helped when your pitching staff overmatches teams. They don't put the ball in play a lot and they don't put it in play with hard a lot. And so there is an element that makes you step up defensively when you do play in SEC games. But – I, I do believe LSU is going to be a quality defensive team in SEC play, and that's that's huge because there really aren't very many cracks in LSU's armor right now. All right, let's spend a little time talking about SEC play. LSU starts this weekend on the road in College Station against Texas A&M. The SEC is usual loaded. Uh, LSU's number one, Tennessee two, Ole Miss three, uh, Florida five, Vanderbilt six, Arkansas seven. I mean, six of the top seven teams in the country are from the SEC. A&M uh, at 15 uh, right now in D1 baseball. Um, I remember last year Jay talking about uh, A&M after the A&M series. I believe we opened with A&M at home last year, if, if my memory serves me correctly. And he talked to the media afterwards, and he said that's one of the best baseball teams in the country. And I think there was a little skepticism there because they weren't ranked very highly at the time, and, and maybe they hadn't proven it yet. But then they end up in Omaha, and Jay Johnson um, looks very, very smart in that moment. What, what do you know about the Aggies this year? Obviously going into College Station, uh, very different from from hosting them at Alex Box, but um, what do you make of this matchup for LSU? So they started out pretty slow. Uh, Lamar got them in the midweek. Um, they played a series against Portland uh, and lost the first two games and were down three in the ninth of game three and found a way to score four in the ninth to avoid a sweep. And they started slow because they're 
main guys that helped them get to Omaha and and Boast and and Moss were not hitting at all, and that was really part of the nucleus of their team. Um, those guys are hitting now, and that's why AM's playing uh, significantly better. I don't see um, monster major league talent on AM in terms of the lineup. I just see good college baseball players and, and a lot of them. And then as far as the staff goes, uh, Detmers will go for him in, in game one. He's He threw seven shutout innings against uh, Notre Dame in Omaha last year. Uh, he's big, 6'4", 225, 230 pounds, 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, and he hadn't been good to start the season. A little bit of a bumpy start. Was really good last week uh, in the last pre-conference weekend. So um, LSU has an advantage as you get deeper into the weekend. Uh, specifically, I think on Sunday with Hurd versus Cortez, I think that favors LSU in a big way. Um, but AM solid and Blue Bell Park's a really tough place to play. Uh, it's a great fan base, a great environment. Um, and LSU's really only seen that once in the Texas game uh, in the pre-conference. So really good test. And uh, I, I can promise you one thing, and this is something that I've, I've talked about a little bit this week on my show. There will be massive overreactions uh, come Monday by this LSU fan base unless one thing happens. If LSU wins two out of three this weekend, everything will kind of stay on even keel. LSU sweeps. Book your tickets to Omaha, 27-3 in the league. This team's a juggernaut. If they lose two out of three or get swept, they didn't play anybody in the non-conference. Skeens isn't an ace. I, I, I can feel the overreaction coming on Monday, uh, but I'm excited to get into the weekend. Uh, LSU's fan base won't be the only one overreacting. Uh, we have a very small sample size of SEC plays so far, but uh, last night I believe Vanderbilt blew out uh, Ole Miss 12-2. Um, Florida had a, a shutout win over Alabama. Uh, Tennessee. I watched getting... both those games in their entirety. That's how sick I am. There's March Madness going on, and I watched those two games. Well, I was watching Arsenal play in the Europa League uh, and crash hey, out. Look. So I, I have a different, different kind of strokes. sickness. Um, but when you look across the conference, you know, obviously LSU's picked to win the thing. Tennessee. Um, I guess they had a slowish start, but at number two in the country, they're 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 doing just fine. And, and you talked about their rotation. Florida may have um, the best three man rotation in the SEC in terms of uh, proven guys. When you look across the conference, um, what do you make of LSU's chances of, of holding on to that preseason uh, pick as number one? And, and and who do you think the big challengers are? When you look at the difference in winning. 18 league games and winning 20 league games, which could be significant in terms of getting a national seed. It is a massive break for LSU to not play Florida. Uh, if you saw the way Brandon Sproat threw the baseball last night against a, a pretty good Alabama offense, it was unhittable. It was 98 sinking fastballs, disgusting 91 mile an hour changeup. Bama got one hit. I mean, he was just, he was nasty. And now Bama goes to sleep and they got to wake up. And, and today, face Hurston Waldrop, who we saw for Southern Miss last year in the yeah. regional, who struck out, I think, eight in a row at one point of that LSU lineup. So Florida's real good. That didn't even mention Jack Caglione, who throws 98 from the left side and has 12 home runs already. Um, he's a stud. So Florida's really good, I think, is absolutely a threat to win the league. I know Tennessee lost two out of three early. Uh, that rotation of Dolander, Burns, and Beam is phenomenal, and they've got bats. Blake Burke's a stud. Maui Hoon is really good. He's in their lineup now. So I believe that LSU, Florida, and Tennessee are the class of the league, and we'll see the Vols here in a couple of weeks. Um, everybody else has some some warts. Ole Miss, you saw it last night. They lost their ace. Their closer is now pitching. He got knocked around by Vanderbilt, and they didn't have anybody to go to in the bullpen after that. They can hit, but they, they didn't last night against a good Vanderbilt team. Um, Arkansas has got significant pitching injuries, and AM's off to a little bit of a slow start to this point. So, to me, I think the class of the league is LSU, Tennessee, and Florida, and it's a big break for the Tigers that they don't see Florida this year. 
Hunt, let's finish up by doing an exercise that that I think we all do for every sport as conference play starts. You start looking at the schedule. You kind of start picking the games and, and what you need to do to get to sort of that 20-win mark or or maybe that conference uh, winning mark. Um, as you look at LSU's schedule, you start on the road at A&M this weekend. Arkansas is at home. Um, Tennessee's at home the next weekend. That's a big kind of three-series stretch to start the season. As you look through this early part of the schedule and really the entirety of conference play, um, how, do you, how do you see LSU having to manage um, throughout the SEC to, to get to where they want to get to? They all count for one, Cody. Um, you, you go win two out of three in, in College Station this week, that's awesome. You, you only get one in College Station, it's not the end of the world. I mean, and I think everybody's got the frame of reference of what Ole Miss did last year. They were lost after four conference weekends, and they came to Baton Rouge, found a way to get a couple games, uh, get all three games, actually, yeah. and they they took off. So um, LSU's going to be fine. They've got a, a really strong team. They've got pitching. They've got bullpen. They've got a good defense they're going to hit. Um, but they're not. I don't think they're going to win every weekend. They're not going to. In my opinion, they're not going to go ten and zero on the weekends. I mean, Arkansas did it a couple of years ago, but it's almost impossible to do. You've just got to go out there and and get as many as you can. Um, and if you can go to College Station and get two, that'd be fantastic. You got your hands full uh, over the next two home weekends. Arkansas can really hit, uh, and Tennessee's got one of the better rotations I've ever seen. Um, but again, every time LSU takes the field, I think there's a great chance they're going to win the game. So they got to get to 20 in my mind. The SEC took care of its business in the non-conference. They won 82% of their pre-conference games. So you're going to be looked at favorably from a conference RPI perspective and by the committee. Um, and you've got a tough schedule. So if you can go out there and get 20, and everybody wants to win 24, 25 games, look at all this talent. And that'd be great if they win 25 games. But you just need to play your super, your regional and super regional at home. And I believe based on LSU's body of work and the way that the conference has done in the pre-conference, if you can get to 20, uh, you'll be at home until you go to Omaha. Well, Hunt, I can't wait for the overreactions, but I also can't wait for your reaction to the overreactions. Uh, tell, tell everyone listening that I'm sure they know, but where they can hear you, follow you, uh, keep up with your stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. We're at 104.5 ESPN. You can get us any number of places. You can obviously listen to us on the terrestrial radio. We're on YouTube at the Hunt Palmer Show. Uh, you can catch us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your sound. Uh, you can find us, and the Hunt Palmer Show is pretty easy to search, and we'd appreciate any likes and subscriptions. As you all know, those are always good things. But, yeah, we're there uh, every, uh, every Monday to Friday, 1 to 3, and, and looking forward to it. No one breaks down LSU baseball or SEC baseball better than Hunt Palmer. Hunt, thank you for your time. That'll do it for us on this edition of Tigers Morning.